Welcome to episode 82 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Nathan Orchard, a black belt under Eddie Bravo of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. He is a Jiu-Jitsu teacher at 10th Planet Seattle, and Nathan has won various competitions of international acclaim. Through our conversation, I could tell that Nathan has put a great deal of thought into his practice in martial arts, exploring his consciousness and how we move through life. I'm fascinated by the motivations of those who are pursuing mastery in any given discipline. You can check out his classes at 10th Planet Seattle and find his upcoming competitions on Instagram at 10th Planet Seattle and at NateOrch10P. I'll be sure to leave those in as links in the show notes. And man, it was a joy to be able to sit down with Nathan. He has a very interesting perspective on life. And for someone such as myself, who frequently questions the nature of things and is trying to, or is wrestling with my understanding of how I can be fulfilled and how I'd like to spend my life, and sometimes frustrated by that confusion, getting to know Nathan and his perspective was very refreshing and it opened up a lot of perspectives for my own self. This episode was brought to you by City Rain Co., a company that I recently started with my uh, jiu-jitsu training partner, Alfred Marilla. I'm a nerd when it comes to health and wellness and I love looking at recent studies and doing self-experimentation. While I can't guarantee the safety of self-experimentation, it sure can be a lot of fun. With that, I came across CBD a couple of years ago. CBD has been my go-to for recovery from injuries and as a pre-workout to prime my body for some smooth performance. After trying several CBD products, my partner and I sought to create our own recovery lotion with subtle scents and transparency from bottle to farm. There's no wizardry. CBD is, in most bioavailable forms has been shown to reduce inflammation and pain. There's even a promising study showing how CBD applied as a lotion can reduce pain and inflammation from arthritis while increasing range of motion, which you could find at cityrainco.com under the CBD research. I really like any upcoming research on uh, CBD and health and wellness in general. So what we try to do is list all the newest research on CBD um, on that page so that you guys can be uh, more well-informed. For 10% off of your order, you can enter BHP at checkout on cityranco.com. Once again, that's BHP at checkout on cityranco.com. And it'll help support the show, you guys. If you guys would like to support the show even further, please rate, review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to it, and hit that subscribe button. Well, without any further ado, here's Nathan Orchard, Alfred Marillo. Face to the window, back to the wall, ink to a dry page, yield to the sign. Mummy in the casket, farewell evolved, genie in a bottle and I'm running out of time. Lines in the sand, hands of a mind, thoughts that we make from the past we define. I don't need a gunshot, I just need a trigger, huh? Finger to my chest, fell in love that way, stuck it till I broke it off. Samsara, find another heart to cross and make it soft. Karma is the shot in the target too. Darkened room gets illuminated as soon as the eyes open, the market's doomed. Heavy eyelids, fed sedative dyes, bred for compliance, dead the rights. Quick to deny it, make it hard to prove 
Solutions shine elusive in the future. Thick behind the dust cover the suffering we used to. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. All I hear are gunshots. All I hear are gunshots. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. All I hear are gunshots. All I hear are gunshots. Why does one man have more beds than he can sleep in? Where's the line between competition and preying on people's weakness? When did truth become a secret? Was a starving mouth to say to the land that fed his family for generations and degraded the chemical sand? How can a conscious mind find relief when it's come to believe that violence is a marker along the path to peace? Why is advertisement good, propaganda bad, insatiable desire, painting lines inside my lonely head? Learn behavior, transfix, robotic captain, sinking ship, limbic system, bored with primal impulse, cut the wire, trip, and ego, domino effect, letting go, distorted breath, less amused with my regret, more in tune, mindfulness, the time it takes to think my way out of this empty feeling, I will choose to fill my being with the beauty that consumes me, I ruined what confused me, became you, started being me by doing. Every day is my funeral. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. All I hear are gunshots. All I hear are gunshots. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. All I hear are gunshots. All I hear are gunshots. Truth is simple. No lines, petals bloom, metal die, metal tools will fly into the sky, and who knows what they'll find. Satisfaction killed the cat, bottle time, this is that. I don't need a gunshot, I just need a golden chase. No, I won't say that I know the way or how to mold the clay or control the rain. I just rolled the train when I was told to stay, so I fold and pray till I'm old and gray. So, how much of my emotional state do I contribute to the things that I do? Providing a sense of security, death to the purity, guiding my higher brain through the mazes. Every habit I blindly created when I was awake. Is a testament I use as evidence to support changes that I make in my life to see order in chaos and accept the pain waves. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I keep hearing gunshots. I keep hearing gunshots. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. I don't need a gunshot. I just need a target to hit. All I hear are gunshots. All I hear are gunshots. smoothie every single day for breakfast really <laughs> same smoothie every day dang yeah. is it is that routine important to you yes very important to me what do you eat for breakfast in the morning alfred uh it's either going to be like eight ounces of oatmeal with like a scoop of peanut butter in it or it'll be like cottage cheese and then celery and hummus Ooh. yeah cottage cheese celery and hum- i did not know cottage cheese and hummus would go good together well like i'll Ooh. eat the, no not like mixed together oh. <laughs> i'll eat like celery sticks and hummus because it's on the grab and go part <laughs> yeah. you know, where i work that makes sense so, yeah so i'll eat that and then i'll just grab like while i'm sitting out in my chair i'll be like wow that wasn't enough and then i look to the fridge because like, we have an outside fridge so I look to the fridge to the right, and I'm like, hey, there's cottage cheese in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I'll just, so I'll just grab that. Just run purely a meal of convenience <laughs> yeah. in trying to be healthy. Yeah, so I always go for the smoothies and then peanut butter. Mm. I'm, and having issues with peanut butter where I'll go through like a, a whole jar every two days. 
but I, it's good. Yeah. Do you at least go natural peanut butter? <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. I got like this stuff where because I, I hate to be that that person, but like a lot of peanut butters have hydrogenated oils in it, and if you were to like do an eighty twenty, which is twenty percent of what you eat, accounts for like eighty percent of negative results. Hmm. Um, I'd say like from what I've read, hydrogenated oils are a pretty big thing. That yeah, that's what holds the sugar. trans fats, and that's what it's. I mean, it's a binder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it doesn't separate. But. Same price as normal peanut butter too. Uh, the only difference is, is that it separates. What brand is it? Um, Adams. Like Adams. Yeah, that's that's yeah, Adams. Adams. That's what I'm yeah, all about. Peanut butter yeah. and salt. It's like yeah, that's all I need. Yeah, man. that or I'll go Kroger. <laughs> And all right, everybody. uh, We got Nathan Orchard and Alfred Murillo on the podcast. A couple jujitsu players. uh, Yo, yo. How'd you? What got you into jujitsu? Um, gosh, you know, well, I wrestled. You know, I was a wrestler in high school, and then, uh, and you know, I thought I was kind of a tough guy, I guess. And MMA was really coming up at that time. It was in two thousand and four, and. so I don't know. I was 16 and and I stepped up and had my first MMA fight. You know, they thought I was old enough to fight. <laughs> at 16. At 16 years old, I had you know a, a hairy face and I looked all <laughs> old and stuff. And um, I went out and got armbarred. Nearly got my arm broken. Got really hyperextended. You know, the guy got me in an armbar and I didn't like. I was like, ah, oh, I'll just wait out the round. And then my arm goes pop, pop, pop. Ooh. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay, all right. So what's this about? You know, jujitsu. Okay. And then you know it. I had a natural affinity for just being a wrestler. It worked, you know what I mean? It just like made sense to me. How did you know that you had a natural affinity? Like, were there there's some feedback that you had at the time that made you recognize that skill? Um, no, I just I don't know. I don't know. I guess it was because I had learned wrestling. Jiu-jitsu was super easy to learn. Like, I remember just seeing a triangle choke and thinking to myself, "Oh, all that is is getting one leg on their shoulder. Easy." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. It was just that. You know, I just saw jujitsu more as just shapes or positions instead of like something so crazy and intricate. In fact, for the longest time, I thought jujitsu meant guard. Really? I thought guard was jujitsu, and everything else was like I don't know, wrestling or grappling or fighting. I didn't know. You know, I just had no idea the term to use. And so, yeah, yeah. you know, that's why triangle chokes, arm bars, rubber guard. I was just like in the guard for a long time. Right. And then I was a wrestler, you know, so that's kind of how it worked. And um, when at the at that age, was that like the, your main focus in life or were you just doing it to, you know, uh, for athletics? No, MMA was my main focus. Well, I mean, you know, not until after I got out of high school. So I had that one fight in high school. Um, and then right after I graduated high school, I... Uh, I, wouldn't, I really started my full-on MMA career. I had 20 more fights after that, so I had oh, 21 wow. fights total. Whoa. Yeah, and um, and I won. I got 10 submissions. Oh, you know, I had 14 wins. 10 of those 14 wins were by submission, and that was with me just, you know, arm barring and triangling and rear naked chokes. I got one guillotine, but that's because those are simple submissions that you know I could just just do by no, you know, it was simple to me. Um, it, and it wasn't until 2011 when I decided to by that time I knew more about the culture a little bit in jujitsu and what it was just from so many fights um but so I decided I wanted to get my black belt in jujitsu I was like what do I have to do and then stumbled across 10th planet and found their criteria and and I was like cool I can do that and that was kind of that 2011 is when I decided to go full jujitsu when you go full jujitsu like is that when you're considering even bringing it into a prof- profession level where you're going to spend majority of your, your time? 
pursuing this thing? Because, I mean, that's like, I see a lot of people with, where they might ride the fence on that, right? When learning any new skill, they look at like a perf- uh, climber mm-hmm. or they, they're getting into jiu-jitsu and they're like, there's those people who are like really good and, you know, they, they compete at the top level. And however, I mean, learning anything, I realize that there's just moments to where, like, what are you willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. for it? And how, how willing are you, how determined are you for yeah. this thing? Well, I don't know why. I guess really my initial goal, I wanted to be a UFC fighter. Mm. You you know, that was like, you know, MMA was my life. And then, so I just had, you know, high aspirations. And so by the time it was like, oh, I'm going to go full jujitsu. Even when I went full jujitsu, I wasn't planning on walking away from MMA. But, you know, I've had enough, you know, brain trauma and things like that to where I realized "Mm, maybe MMA is not such a great idea. I'm going to go just all at jiu-jitsu and but but to tell you the truth also kind of what happened when I went full into jiu-jitsu was I, I did it because to tell you the truth jiu-jitsu was like a little bit of a coping mechanism because I was you know maybe I don't know if it was from brain trauma or just from not you know life you know but maybe a little depressed maybe a little angry maybe a little scared paranoid of whatever you know the, yeah. The world, death, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I found that when I was doing jujitsu, all those troubles melted away. They yeah. didn't mm-hmm. exist. And so I would go to jujitsu anytime I was feeling bad, you know? And then what happened is I, I also, I, 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 re, I trained my brain to every time I thought a negative thought, to have a go-to good thought that I would just train myself to instantly think of. So let's say I'm driving down the road and I'm like afraid I'm going to get in a car wreck. I think about getting my hand raised on the mat or I'm surfing in the ocean and I'm paranoid a shark's going to come bite me. I imagine myself getting my hand raised on the mat. Uh, Anytime anything negative whatsoever that I don't want to happen pops into my brain, I say, whoa, negative thought, go to your good thought, hand getting raised on the mat. And then it rewired my brain to not think negative thoughts and actually just think about jujitsu a lot. Wow. And then I got good at jujitsu just by doing it so much. And, you know, I mean, sure, when you start out, it might be the dream to open a school or be a black belt or this or that. But at that moment, that's not the reality. The reality is I'm trying to be happy. Yeah. And then so you do jujitsu. And then one day, because you chase that happiness, you chase that thing that you love really cool things come from it. And that's what happened. It's kind of a, a natural, organic honest process i didn't ever think that i'd be making a living on jujitsu i thought that would be a really cool thing but that's not why i was doing it i was doing it because it made me feel good you know i even heard that when i was something similar along those lines but in a more um crude manner which i couldn't understand i suppose and i mean there's a lot of context being an adult now and meeting people like yourself who who have pursued something so fervently right that not necessarily that they're making a living at it i would say that they're um, doing it as much as I would dream of doing, you know, anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you could even look at someone who's just doing work. Like, mm-hmm. the only thing that f- that really scares me is just doing something that I don't like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's a question of finding what I like and doing that often. Right. But when I was a kid, they tell me, uh, good luck if you want to be a writer, right? Because you might not make it. Like, most people aren't best-selling authors, right? And it takes all these hours to put in. Like, they made it sound like it sucked. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, oh... That's a horrible way to go. Mm. Uh, when I was a kid, just discouraged. What I didn't realize is, is like, if you're um, willing to, if if you're willing to, to you know make these sacrifices, 
right? Whether it's um, spending all of your time, you're working, right? Some people might be working 40 hours a week or more, and then you get off and you're tired, perhaps, and you don't want to train. But spending that time training um, and delving into the process, regardless of the of the um, the results that you may, mm-hmm. you know, acquire from those, lends itself to becoming a quality practitioner in the things that you do. Yeah. And I've realized that when I would compete in a tournament or um, do, you know, runs or write, for instance. And, like, the biggest thing with writer's block, right, is getting so caught up in, like, I'm going to make the best story ever. And then everything I put down is like, ah, no, that sucks. Yeah. And what I'm doing is I'm, I'm losing my aim because yeah. I'm not in the process anymore. And I have to constantly remind myself and keep my ego in check mm. in those ways. I would say you're not losing your aim but you're aiming in too much. Mm. It's like, yo, it, we, there's some type of like Zen saying, you know, like when a archer tries to hit a bullseye, he loses all his skill. You know, it's like, yo, do archery because it's dope. <laughs> do it because you write because you like writing, not because you're trying to make the best selling book. No, just because you enjoy it. It's what makes you happy. It's when we get caught up on the outcome, on winning or losing, on succeeding or failing, that's the writer's block. That's that when you freeze up. Mm-hmm. But when you are just doing it purely out of enjoyment and honesty, doing because you honestly love it, that's when the muse steps in and helps you. You know what I mean? But if, if you're, if you're, it's weird how you have to. Do it because you love it, but if you, the harder you try, the worse you do. <laughs> so it's like, don't try, just do. And people get confused. They're like, well, the, what does that mean? It's like, let go of your expectations and just express. Don't get caught up in what you want. Get caught up in doing what you love. In, in, your, in your hardest times, oh, what are some coping mechanisms that you've used to to get yourself back into that mindset. Yeah. Um, you know, it's to me, it's always about having fun. You never got really good at something unless you thought it was fun, right? And so when I'm, say, training for a, a, a tournament or something, but, you know, the grind has been hard and, and I've been a few weeks into the camp and I'm exhausted, um, how do I find motivation? By having fun, by thinking of the funnest thing that I could drill, you know? And so I, I was actually just telling my class this recently. One of the best pieces of advice I ever heard was that motivation comes after action. You don't, you're not motivated to do something before you do it. Most of the time we're not motivated. We're actually sitting on the couch like, damn, I don't want to go to the gym right now. I'd so much rather sit here. But then 10 minutes into drilling, 10 minutes into your workout, 10, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> You know, motivation comes after action, not before. And then, you know, uh, uh, consistency is paramount. If, you, if you're if you not consistent with that, then it just won't work. So you have to consistently know that, that motivation comes after action. Now, one way you can just start is by, again, doing the funnest thing you can think of. Like, so for me, when I'm having a hard time getting motivated... I just think of my favorite move to do, the one that feels the best and it looks the coolest and it just like is purely enjoyable and I knock out a few reps and all of a sudden I'm having fun and then the ideas start to flow and then I'm like, oh, let me try this from here or let me look at this or whatever else. You know, that you just, that you got to start. 
you know, that's it. Yeah, I've always heard like Elliot Hulse say um, that he's never been upset that he's gone to the gym that day. You know, it's always like you never feel bad for going into the gym, whether it's to lift or jujitsu or anything. Like you never felt bad for getting a workout. You never regret training, yeah. but you usually regret not training. Yeah. You know, I've learned that lesson so many times. Like, I don't want to go to the gym, but then I go. I have an awesome time, and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I went. And then sometimes when I don't go, I'm like, man, I kind of I, I let myself down. Yeah. You know, actually, Stephen Pressfield talks about it in um, the book The War of Art. And he talks about resistance, and resistance is that feeling that I, I'd rather sit on that couch than go train. Right. You know, don't let that win. Go train, and then you are winning in in the war of art. You know mm -hmm. what I mean. And over time, does it get easier um, to be able to uh, negotiate that scenario? I don't. It, not necessarily. I I think that's why we have to remember all the past lessons. Because the future, it's all, you, I don't know, maybe I think, I think it can because we get into habits. And, and once training becomes habitual, like sometimes if I, like on a whatever random night that I'm not training once that week, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? You know yeah. what I mean? And then I am motivated, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, but, but if you miss two weeks of training, that's when it's the hardest. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, build those habits and I think it helps. Yeah. Yeah, it's one thing I've always ran into is during the week, because during the grind, you know, working 40 hours and then going to jujitsu, try to make it every single night that I possibly can, or driving down to Bellevue or to do whatever. It's like, man, I just want that day on the couch. It's like, oh, I just want, I wish I was in bed right now. But then I get that Sunday where I'm not doing anything. And I'm like, wow, I'm so bored. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's like, what can I be doing? I find myself just like watching videos or like hitting up Jag, like, hey, let's drill. Yeah. You know? And that's true. It's where I think I, I there I saw the study where it takes like 90 days to for you to actually create a habit, mm. and then after that 90 days it becomes uh, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you see that with everything. I mean, it's you know you do strength training, you learn yeah. anything new. It seems so complicated and hard at first, and once you actually do the thing, it becomes a lot more easier, yeah. and then you know you're unrecognizable to your former self essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, and I always look at it too. Like I look, I'm, I play with my son, right? And the children play tag, right? Like most of your, a child's life is is playing games. Even learning, I'd argue, is it's sure. it is the same thing. It's a game. Yeah. And as adults, essentially, you're looking for like the best game to play. Yeah. It just happens to be a lot more complex, and you yeah. have to you know navigate more rule sets and such. Absolutely. And I think there is definitely the trap. It's like. Um, Seeing yourself like playing games that you don't like to play and identifying how to move away from those if that's you know to the ones that you do enjoy, whatever that happens to look like, yeah. and yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, um, if it, like you were talking about, you know, you work all week and then you get off work and you're tired, who cares? You need to go toward the thing that you really, really want to do, otherwise, you're just going to keep living that same life, you know, and yeah. so. But eventually, if you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, like I was building houses for seven, during my entire MMA career, you know what I mean? I was working a, a hard job and then training. and But eventually, I got to slowly move away from the old job and do more of the new job, MMA, more martial arts. And then one day, I was able to fully walk away from a normal job and just do martial arts, you know? But, but that wouldn't happen if I hadn't have always been pushing. You know what I mean? Right. You got to earn it. And that's just all there is to it, you know, but, and, and here's the thing. If you want it bad enough, you'll do it. 
Yeah. And if you don't want it bad enough, you won't do it. And it's okay. <laughs> you just didn't want it bad enough. You got what you actually wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, people think, uh, they say, oh, I, I really want to do this. I really wish I could live on an island in Thailand. And it's like, okay, then go do it. They're like, well, you know, but I have mm-hmm. a job and I have this. And it's like, okay, no, see, here's the deal. Be honest with yourself. You want your job and you want this lifestyle more than you even want to live in an island on Thailand. You think you do. But if you did more than anything in the whole world, you would. You know? Yeah. It, nothing can stop you from doing something you truly want. But we make like weird excuses for ourselves all the time and say, yeah. oh, but I No, no. Be honest with yourself. Be real with your priorities. Yeah. People are scared of pulling those triggers too. You know, it's like... Uh, like nobody becomes the highest level without some sort of sacrifice in it, you know. It's like, oh, but yeah. a lot of times that sacrifice comes at the hand of uh, money, or yeah. like they don't want to be, they don't want to live with their grandmother or yeah. something yeah. like that, paying you know a couple hundred bucks rent a month. But if by doing that, it allows them to save towards the future of being able to train as much as possible or yeah. being able to live these dreams, for example. Mm-hmm. So people are so scared of pulling that trigger because, well, to the outside, I might look like I'm freeloading or to the outside. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't, none of that matters mm-hmm. as long as you're pushing towards the goal that you have yeah. and you're happy. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing in my life personally. It's like, I want to be happy. Like mm-hmm. when I get, when I get to that spot, happiness is like key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know people are just so afraid of that as well. And they make excuses for not doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I've often struggled with is because I would work with people in like um, the restaurant industry would be one of them and also the minting industry. Uh, The minting industry was a little more rough because you'd have people like elderly people in social security and then or retirement and then they'd go and they'd work at the mint for like minimum wage. Um, And then in the restaurant industry, I met some people who were, he's a head chef and a sous chef and he worked as a chef for 25 years, right? And it just happened to be not the thing that he was interested in. And he, over time, he's just like, I, you know, I wish I had more days off and I, I've always wanted to get into horticulture and these things. And that, that scared me when I was a kid because I'm like, I don't want to, you know, lead, lead that life to where I'm doing the things that are incongruent with who I am. Yeah. Right. And, um, but it's pulling those triggers. Like yeah. I've had to make several choices that, uh, that, really frightened me at the time. I mean, it's nothing compared to someone who has, like, real hardship, right? Sure. But sure. in my context, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Um, however, I read the book by uh, On the Road by Jack Kerouac, right? right? Mm-hmm. And he's traveling across from the hitchhiking from the East Coast to the West Coast and back on, like, a couple of dollars. Inflation back then, I mean, it's like, you know, 100, 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. And you meet these people who get after it, and the worst-case scenario is, is most of them don't even end up homeless. Because right. whatever like diligence brought you there generally removes you from the worst case scenario. So yeah. you always find your way out, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm I'm really trying to live my life more like, um, you know, the the mystic Rumi said, live life as if the cards are dealt in your favor, you know. And it's just like, yeah, why not? You yeah. know, why not? So far, I haven't starved to death. You know, and and, and seriously, like once I overcame the fear, like once I realized like, whoa, you know what? I have enough friends and family to where say I lose everything, say I have nothing. Still, they're not going to let me starve to death. Right. So you let go of that and all of a sudden you're like, well, then really, what's the problem? Yeah. What? I don't have a bunch of bullshit or I don't have a bunch of money. I don't have all this other stuff. Who cares? Yeah. I still get to live my life, you know? And so once you realize that there's really no such thing as losing. You really kind of can't, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not even real. It's, 
doesn't exist. <laughs> That's like a coping mechanism for once again losing your, you know, becoming results orientated as opposed to process driven, right. you know, in, in the negative way as opposed to like I'm going to be the best, but like what happens yeah. if? And it's 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 actually quite simple, but at the same time incredibly difficult. But imagine if you never had an expectation, you would never be let down. You would never be disappointed. If you didn't expect anything from anyone or any circumstance, you didn't feel entitled to anything, you didn't expect to win or didn't expect to lose, nothing can hurt you. And so it's our expectations that actually cause us pain. And we're talking about being happy. How how do you be happy? Let go of your expectations. (laughs) And don't do things with the idea of winning or losing. Just do them with the idea of doing. You know, yeah. and that's how you'll never be sad. You'll never be let down because there was never an expectation. <laughs> and what are your motivations for competing? Um, to, to honestly, to learn about myself. You know, I mean, sure, like egoically, winning feels good and stuff like that. But you know what feels better is bettering myself. That's the be- that's the best feeling in life is becoming better than you were and and learning how you think therefore you can become better you know and so it feels good to um overcome yourself you know and that's all we're doing and and and, and when you fight someone you're not fighting anyone you're fighting yourself you're fighting your own weaknesses in fact that opponent is necessary in order for there to be a fight, you know, you, you need him to be there. Right. And so it's, it's got nothing to do with fighting him. He's giving you an opportunity to fight yourself, you know, and that's, that's actually when I've won some of my biggest matches, you know, against stars that like should intimidate me. All I think of is that's not Imanari in front of you. That's yourself. That's yourself in front of you. You know, um, he, he's got nothing on you. Only you can beat you. You know, and I don't know, it just kind of makes you <laughs> n- not afraid and not, it just makes you able to cope, do anything, you know. Has that helped you in your day-to-day life too? Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, 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 that's exactly right. And that's the beauty of martial arts is applying the lessons we learn in martial arts to day-to-day life. Martial arts, all it is is full of metaphors that you can apply to life. So absolutely, you know. It's like, um, you know, if I, if I don't ever expect to win or lose, I'll never be sad. But if I also don't expect, you, you know, like, I don't know. It's kind of like if you need a certain outcome to be happy, are you really happy? No. But if I, it's like, not to get all sappy on you guys, but I'm totally in love with my wife. Mm-hmm. But I would have to be okay and totally happy without my wife too. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't, then I would. That would probably be the thing that would drive me crazy and drive us apart, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's when you know that you're going to be happy with or without anything, that all of a sudden you're free to actually gain that thing. <laughs> it's when you are grasping for it so hard that's when we lose it, you know. Yeah. But it's when we just let go. It's like the old saying: if you, whatever, let it go and it comes back to you. That's how you know. Right. Just let go of everything, and everything will come back to you. That's from my experience, at least. That's even some semblance of that I've been solving as I as I continue to you know pursue these things because it's the more attached that I get, mm-hmm. I always end up missing that mark. That's it. And it's 
weird because like when I would before I moved to Washington, I moved to Washington like three years ago. So in twenties and earlier on, I'd spend so much of my time um, not pursuing a particular skill. Like I tried to have a family when I was younger, got married, and um, through that I didn't learn very many coping mechanisms. Mm. Like it, because I wasn't really pushed into my extremes. I mean, every day was just like uh, an, an easy effortless day mm. right going to work was tiring obviously sure. but i mean it wasn't like lifting um a max on a deadlift and i never thought it would be like that i didn't understand that looking on from the outside i'd watch like a strong man thing and i'd change a channel i'm like oh that's mm. why you want to lift things up or i'd watch mm. like uh you know even ufc and I, I loved it for the art right but i didn't have any context on what it would be like to actually be there mm. and the intensity that you feel do trying to do something well um, it almost gives you, trains you for adaptations in life that I would argue are difficult to achieve because you're never like pushed to your limit in life itself. Absolutely. And yeah. I would say a really useful tool that I, that I learned is, um, it's a, it's a time management tool and it's just understanding there's four quadrants of time. Okay. The first is the urgent, but unimportant. That's everything from our job that we don't like to having to cook a meal. You know, it's urgent, like you need to do it, but it doesn't it doesn't really have a lot of sustenance to it. There's nothing to it. The next category is important, but not urgent. And that's the place where we usually spend the least amount of time, but it's where we should spend the most amount of time. That That is like, it's it's not urgent to read a book, but it's very important to read a book. You see, so no one's ever pushing us to spend time in this category, but it's where we develop ourselves training. It's not urgent, but it's very important, right? And then you go down to the urgent and important, okay? Things like um, a family member gets sick. It's in your face, it's urgent, it needs to be dealt with. It's also important to you because your family member is, is part of the equation of happiness. You care about them, right? And then the last category is the unimportant and unurgent. And that's watching TV, sitting on your butt, wasting your time doing nothing. Right. So now you can identify, okay, what are these tasks that I have to do? We all have to deal with things that are urgent, but they're not that important. Mm-hmm. I got to get up and take a piss. Oh, that's annoying, but it doesn't better my life. Right. I have to do it now, though. The next one is, you know, I want to learn a language. Mm-hmm. It's not urgent at all, but... It could be really important to bettering the quality of your life. Right. And then the things you have to deal with, your gym floods. You gotta, it's important and urgent. Go deal with it. And then there's the category where we should spend the least amount of time wasting time. Unimportant and unurgent. Right. And so, you know, again, every day we have to do things that we don't necessarily – it doesn't help us further our goals. You've got to handle those as soon as you can. We've got to spend more time in the important but not urgent. And that's where – over years and years and years of spending time in that category, that's what really brings those crazy results we're talking about. Getting to quit your job and be a full-time writer or be a full-time martial artist or be a full-time artist, whatever, you know what I mean, is by spending more and more time in that second category, the important and the, uh, the, the important but not urgent. We'll never be pushed into bettering ourselves. And that's where the not urgent part is, but it's still important. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. That does really. make sense. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been valuable to me. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting concept of that because you know, 
everybody, nobody likes to work their nine to five. Yeah. And that's where I get stuck at a lot. I'm like, man, I'm just wasting so much time here. But I can't say that I go home and read a book every day. Yeah. Spend mm-hmm. a lot of time training, but like not actually like. Well, that's fine. You yeah. know, whatever. You're still you're still studying. Yeah. That is study. Okay. You know what I mean for yeah. sure. But how much more of the important but not urgent could we do? A lot more. A lot more. Right. Yeah. And, and that's where that's the golden area to spend it there. You know right. what I mean? That's where the magic happens. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> Almost like training for anything, the more time that you do it, the more time you put those hours in, you're more likely on average to spend more time doing that. Exactly. Yeah. And um, with that's really helpful because like recently I got laid off and I've had to take, you know, an additional 10 hours a week and now it's like 40 hours. Um, and it's hard for me to reconcile with that because I've always, I wouldn't complain to people, but I always would like think of it in a negative light because I was afraid of, um, if I allowed myself to like, you know, enjoy it even slightly, then I would be more likely to stay. That was my, my thinking. Mm. And however, I don't want to suffer. And it doesn't, no. that amount of suffering, it actually hurts me when I'm going to the, you know, the urgent, but that's right. important. And, that's right. but now like my son, him and I are talking, he's like, when I got home from work, he's just like, well, how was your day at work? Usually be like, oh, I wish, you know, I could be, be doing this instead. Um, and I thought about it. The next day, I tried reframing it. I was like, "Well, oh, the people were really nice. You know, I can't wait to go and you know train, or I can't wait to, you know, draw with you." But you, you, you know, that other, the urgent but unimportant, should be where we earn getting to the important. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, one thing that I thought was really cool, you know, someone put it. To, I study a lot of different like philosophies and spirituality and things like this, and um, a guy said. Um, oh, some bitch, what was I just talking about? I completely just lost my train of thought. The um, urgent and unimportant should be. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Okay, so the urgent and unimportant. Make your work. You could use whatever word you want, but basically, prayer. If you turn the urgent but unimportant, that is where you should be saying, "I am doing this to help me get closer to my actual goal." Turn it into meditation instead of drudgery. Say, Do it with mindfulness instead of just saying, oh, this is unimportant and I hate it. It's like, no, no, no. It's urgent, so which gives it a level of importance. It's not deeply important. It's urgent, but it's where you earn going to the important. Right. So, you know, again, in, in, instead of thinking of it as a bad thing, think of it as meditate. I'm working toward my future right now. I'm working toward my goals right now. This is not a pain in the butt. This is part of the process of going further. But the trick is to then spend as little, less and less time there as you go along, right? And more in the other place. So, mm-hmm. um, For people who are learning jujitsu, what do you see that are like the most common causes for... Um, the learning curve, or what would you be your advice to someone to effectively um, reduce their learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. Common mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, again, consistency is truly the most important thing there is. I, I just, it's just like, look, even if you can't go and train hard every day, like, even if someone is injured, still go to class, keep those habits up, keep that consistency up. Um, and another thing is, Honestly, the harder you try to get a certain result, the harder you try to be the baddest dude in the room, the harder you try to tap out everyone, the worse it's going to be. But those guys who just go and love it, I swear, they get the best 
faster than anybody else. And that falls in line with this setting. Don't set your expectations. Like That's if you it. go to class, no, being like, oh, I want to tap out the purple belt or the brown belt ahead of me. It's like you won't succeed in that. But if you go there just aiming to have fun and just to learn, you'll have more success overall. Or 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 don't even aim to have fun and to learn. Aim, just 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 go. Have no intention, not even the intention of fun. Just be open to whatever because sometimes it might be difficult. Sometimes it might be fun. Sometimes it might be boring. Sometimes, and, and you know, don't judge what it is. Mm-hmm. Just just do. Just do without expectation. But then there are things you can do. What it turns into, it, it turns into fun. Right. You know, now, if it's not fun and you're miserable and you're truly not liking it, you're not in the right right place. Right. You know what I mean? So you got to be honest with yourself and what you really want. What was your distinction between fulfillment and fun? Do you have a distinction? Yes, I do. Fun is like eating sugar. <laughs> At the moment, it's great. Right. But it doesn't really get you anywhere. Uh, fulfillment, it's like hiking a mountain. It kind of sucks in the moment, but then you get to the top of the mountain and you're like, wow, that was so worth it. It somehow feeds your soul. (laughs) So usually, you know, uh, my friends, we all classified it as type A fun and type B fun. Type A fun is fireworks and bumper cars. Type B fun is hiking. It's wrestling. It's those things that feel difficult, but they make you better. Mm. What is your um, coping mechanisms when you're in a state of discomfort to maintain presence? Mm-hmm. Well, I just realized that it's it's my choice. I chose to be uncomfortable. So when I when I had my match against Imanari, I had to. I was. It was a big cut. It was a short notice fight. I had to travel to England. It was crazy, you know? So I wake up the morning of weighing 16 pounds overweight. And this was after oh, wow. already dieting off 10 pounds. Ooh. Okay? So I had two gallons of water to cut that day. That's how much 16 pounds is. That's two gallons of water. And as you can imagine, it was hell. Right. It was absolute hell. But I chose it. And guess what? I could quit any moment I wanted to. But the idea of getting to go against one of my idols in, in grappling and possibly win, I wanted to do that enough to put up with the misery. Right? That's it. I was just I just knew my priorities. I was being honest with myself. And so it's just like, you know, if you choose it, smile about it. If if you choose it and you're not smiling about it, choose to leave. Right. Just choose. Be aware of why you're doing things and know what you really want. And if I really wanted comfort at that moment more than I wanted to be Imanari, I would have quit. Right. And I would have just gone and ate food, you know? But I knew. I knew what I really wanted. Do you have any practices outside of jiu-jitsu um, that you use to cultivate the ability to maintain the present state awareness? Or books that you'd recommend to? I mean, you know, it's just, it's just practicing awareness. Mm-hmm. Just practice awareness. Sit there and... See how many things you can become aware of in a given moment. They say that there's about 2 billion. In any moment, there's about 2 billion things you can notice. But we only have the ability to notice about 2,000 
details from the temperature to the lighting to the noise all around you to how many noises around you to how you're to if you're sweaty to if how your clothes are fitting to the all the colors of your clothes and all the distractions all around right so sit there and see how many things you can notice and that's just of the objective world then what can you notice subjectively what is my emotion what is my temperament what is my goal how am i feeling what are my thoughts can you become aware of what you're thinking so don't just think but become aware of what you're thinking right sit there and observe your thoughts as if they were separate from you because truly they are right so practicing awareness is how you become more aware and it's just sitting there noticing that's all you do. Just sit and notice everything that there is to notice. And you'll, you'll realize soon that there's so many things to notice that it's, it's just a crazy infinite little game. But you can start to then develop awareness, which makes you present. And, you know, the, again, when you become ultra aware of your suffering, all of a sudden you see your suffering apart from you. You're looking at your suffering and then you realize you're not suffering. You realize that it's like a thing that's passing. It's like, you know, it's like clouds passing through the sky. Are the clouds the sky? No, they're in the sky. The sky is the sky. The clouds are just a passing thing and a, then the storm passes and this and that. That's what our emotions and all these things that we are able to observe are like. They're right. just like the weather passing through. But the weather is not, in the, is not the sky itself. Yeah, it's in the sky and the sky is just the unchanging sky and so that's what we when we start to notice these emotions and observe we start to realize that we are the unchanging and all these things that I'm observing they're the changing they're the event but they're not the self you see what I mean mm -hmm. yeah. yeah I've definitely had those experiences in meditation where you're focusing on the breath and you're beginning to watch things pass by yeah. which uh, it's helped me was when I was younger. I, I remember maybe it was also being, you know, hormonal and, mm -hmm. you know, very young, but everything that all my thoughts and stuff were like rushing through me and I couldn't help but just quickly grasp at them and, and run with it. And um, when I would use substances in my youth, right, mm -hmm. I, I would use a lot, most of them all the time, except alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, and it was to my, you know, destruction in that mm. sense, right? It, it was, I'd come home, I'd go sleep because I'd take, like, muscle relaxers, stuff like that. Or if I had weed, I would go through, I don't know, like an eighth every couple of days, right? Um, and I quit, you know, using everything but tobacco products uh, when my son was born for four years. And what I realized, because I was with someone who was having a, their fair share of addiction issues, right? And I was trying to help them and... Um, so I did that so that I, I could at least come from a place of, you know, I'm doing it too. Sure. Right? Um, That's cool. Yeah. And it was, it was really helpful understanding my own things. Because um, I didn't think that I had any issues. You know, I, I didn't look at it. I'd sit around and play video games all day. Totally. And, and I would try to savor my energy for work. And I mm. realized how counterproductive that no is doubt. as an adult. Yeah. Um, but when I would quit... I thought, oh, you know, why would someone go spend all their time, you know, using, getting drunk every weekend mm. and when they could be doing these things? And I was looking down from, from a pedestal, essentially. Mm, right. Um, and I'd, like, eat nuts, right? And I'd eat half a pound of nuts in one city. Wow. Yeah, if they were sitting in my house, I couldn't help myself but eat them. 
and goldfish, the same thing. I could eat one of the big cartons yeah. in like two hours. Yeah. And it was, I didn't realize that, no, you, addiction is, you know, be, behavioral addictions is very much a part of life. It's yeah. independent of drug use, yeah. right? It's just things that are exciting, yeah. or things that um, feel good. And when I realized that, that's when I started to try to keep myself, you know, present and not clinging to like, I want, oh, nuts sound good right now. Maybe I should go try it. And it's like, yeah, listen to it. Because, you know, every thought that comes in, it's like, oh, let's, let's buckle up. Yeah, yeah. And I learned that I had to detach myself from that. Because even in relationships, right, I'd begin to get in a relationship with someone. I'd become so excited that I would focus on that. Yeah. And that would be to my destruction. Right. So every time I would, you know, grip something uh, so much and cling to it for, my, for dear life, it was always at my destruction. That's so right. then I got back into substances because my thought was, is like, well, for me personally, why would I avoid something that is hard not to cling to? Why not use that to practice? And then I would practice where I would, uh, like coffee now, right? I'll try coffee, uh, you know, once every three, five days perhaps. And not because I'm tired, just because, well, let's throw some coffee sure. in there, right? And uh, marijuana is the same thing. It's not like I do it every night when I go to bed sure. kind of thing. It's just like, I'll try it, you know, this night and maybe not that night. Yeah. And like learning to do that in everything That's right. in my own life is, is helpful. And it's uh, because I think we all have a tendency to cling one way or another. My, my teacher would say, accept and reject nothing, you know. And, and what that means is, look, don't, don't need it, but also don't renounce it because that's the same. If you're addicted... Saying I will never do it again is almost as bad as being addiction as as being addicted. It's just the polar opposite. But the middle way is saying, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Today I will. Tomorrow I maybe won't. You know, it's it's when you cling to an idea that it controls you. So addiction, that's clinging to something. But then saying, I will never do this again. That's also clinging to something. That's clinging to an outcome. I will never, right? And all of a sudden you have an expectation. You have this standard set. You are clinging again, just the same way you were clinging when you were addicted. But just like you're saying, if you can not let it control you either way to make you happy or miserable, now you're free of it. Make sense? Yeah. And you're also not feeling that thing like healthy eating is another one whereas instead of having it to where like oh i can't have these things have a boring you know way of eating it's just like completely detached right um getting to that point to where you know it's you remove that lack of that or you remove the suffering from yeah you know it's you know perhaps i have this ice cream perhaps i don't it's independent of it's not going to make me miserable or happy you know um and then the foods that you do eat instead of like you know, forcedly making yourself not eat pizza and you have to eat uh, cauliflower rice, yeah. right? But finding the, the finding the flavor within it, finding the way to you know to enjoy yeah. it. And uh, when you're when you're practicing jujitsu and you're learning um, all of your flows, what would make you transition from fixating on a particular series and going to the next? Mm. Um, I think it was just the interest in like a missing puzzle piece, you know? So it would be like I fixate on something until I understand it fully. And then all of a sudden I learn something new that somehow ties in to somewhere else in the game. And 
And so really what it is is just about broadening the path. You know what I mean? And it's interesting because jujitsu to me, it's there's there's a wholeness to it. It is a, there's like a oneness, right? I always say jujitsu is one move. And so the more moves I learn, the more I just see the one move. And so when I fixate on something, it's it's like it's uh, an area of the wholeness that hasn't been shaded in all the way yet, to my understanding. And then I just I I, I shade that area in until that area is just as dark as everywhere else and filled and then the wholeness just continues to expand sort of so so for me it's just about you know filling holes and, and patches and completion you know and when something feels like it's completing my path even more that's when I really fixate I think when I see it all tie together you know but it's also what I just find usually interesting fun and effective right Going back to that thing of process orientated, right? Yes. Um, I found that just in my training, I was very confused on how I should f be effective to focus on like, you, you learn, you know, a series of moves, right? And all these different submissions. And I would try to learn, you know, every one of them as much as I could be proficient in them all. And then I started learning that, well, the things that I like the most, I put so much more um, enthusiasm yeah. and, uh, and presence into it. That's true. Right? And focusing on those, you know, I begin to see that there's the universal principles, essentially. That's right. Where it's like that that one move is in it's, all of it. That's right. And so it's like, look, to learn all moves, learn one move. Learn every single thing about that one move. And then all those lessons, they apply to every other move. And that's that oneness that I'm talking about. You actually understand it really well, you know. It, in one move, there is all moves. <laughs> it's all just the same concept. And the real idea is that we put, we, we break up jujitsu. We compartmentalize things. We break it apart. And that's where it becomes scattered and distracted and hard to understand. But when you realize that it's not broken apart and it is completely whole, and if you can see all moves in one move, now you're getting it. You know? Yeah. There, what are your recommendations for someone who's getting into jiu-jitsu or practicing even for a little bit um, to integrate whatever moves that they're trying to work on? Mm. Like just strict drilling? You know, I mean, I don't know. There are certain things that are kind of like little cheat codes. You know, it's just like what I would say is something like, look, first thing is learn how to grab onto a Kimura grip. Just, just, just something like that. And then learn how to snatch onto a Kimura grip. And then eventually you'll start to see the pattern over and over of where Kimura grips take you. And it, it will start to connect things. Like a Kimura grip can either take you to an armbar, the back, or truck. You know what I mean? Which actually armbar, back, and truck, they're all back attacks technically. And so, again, I just said three different moves, seemingly different. But they're all the same back attack. They're all under back attack. It's, you know, they're not so separate. Um, and so, and then it's just, you know, you got to learn the dots and then you got to connect the dots. That, that, that's basically all you can do. There is no magic pill, time, consistency. That's it. That's it. You know, people, I, I get this question. What, what do I got to work on? What do I, what should I do? What should I do? Orchard, uh, I, I always 
and I say, just keep training, mm-hmm. keep showing up, mm-hmm. keep showing up, keep showing up. That's the, that is the secret. That's it. It's so simple, but so hard at the same time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I found it interesting in, uh, what is it, the Book of Five Rings, right? And they talk mm-hmm. about strategy yeah. as being the principle. Where, whereas if you were too strong, whether he might encounter someone who is even stronger, mm. and then he's then brittle. But if he were too fast, right, and he spent everything just trying to be quick, he'd find meet someone one day who's quicker. But if he could be quick and strong, then then he can stand against anyone. Because yeah. someone who's strong, he could be quick. Someone who's quick, he could be strong. It's the middle way, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the way of all things. Always find the middle way, you know, that, that and it, it's a difficult thing to do. You know, but always trying to find that perfect balance. Like, you know, I have a yin yang on my arm. Mm-hmm. It's a symbol of perfect balance. But then there's arrows around it, meaning that that perfect balance is in perpetual movement, right? So it's never just, okay, I found the middle way. No, it continues to change, right? And so yeah, you know, you're always always finding that perfect happy medium of strength and speed and flexibility but not too flexible and not too you know what I mean yeah. there's there's you can be too anything and not enough of anything at the same time you know what I mean mm-hmm. always looking for that middle way yeah so uh, Ram Das, he's a spiritual teacher oh I know Richard. Ram Das. <laughs> yeah and he's he's my, he's my boy I know <laughs> I love he, that guy uh, I love all of his stuff yeah. especially that be here now for the podcast and like um, he he's helped me with a lot of you know things putting into context and the one thing I found interesting was when he was doing his lectures, I think it was, you know, in the 90s, I believe, when he was uh, touring a lot in the United States. These guys basically spent years and years learning about um, spirituality, right, and how to uh, remove yourself from personal suffering and uh, training with some of the most profound spiritual teachers of our time. And he's given this talk. And he laughs because um, he said that, you know, he spent his life vying for power mm-hmm. and and then renouncing that and going to be with spiritual teachers. And then he comes back and he's like, look at me, though. I'm still on a stage, still vying for power. And to see that, the recognition of like this guy has spent so much of his life, whether they're like meditating for hours and hours and perhaps like doing the silent retreats for months on end, I even think years. Um, He's done a lot of serious work. And still at that point, recognizing that he loses himself off in the middle way, right? Okay. Imagine the secret to happiness is letting go of your desires. But desiring to have no desire is a desire. Boom. You're already trapped. So, you have to accept that desiring is okay. You have to be okay desiring to give up desiring. <laughs> because if you desire to not desire, you're already trapped in desire again, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy how it works, you know? So in order to overcome your desire, accept your desires. Don't judge them. That's it. But when you say, oh, I, I, I shouldn't want this. You're now desiring to not want. Therefore, you are wanting. Be okay wanting. It's all right. It's no big deal. Accept it. Live. Don't judge. Observe. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm like struggling to understand all of this. <laughs> like you guys just went down this whole rabbit hole. I'm like, no, no, it's it's it's, it's um, it takes time. Actually, I mean, trust me, if you just thought about it for long enough, you'd right. just be like, oh yeah, it actually makes perfect sense. It's actually really simple. But if right. it's the first time you've truly considered it, it is like, wait, what? What are you talking about? It sounds very paradoxical. Yeah, I, I get down these rabbit holes with Will a lot, just in conversations. <laughs> this is me and him will go on like trips down here and stuff and. It's like, yo, wait, what? <laughs> trying to, trying to well, okay, Will, you're coming over for a couple hours. We're going to talk about this. <laughs> it's, I met um, a couple of guys. One guy in particular, though, he did the PCT, right? Okay. And I always thought that would be really cool. I looked at those guys and girls, right? I'm like, wow, if you do that, you like, you're an adventure. You're like yeah. this thing, yeah. right? And I talked to him, and he, he had the similar thing where his identity was wrapped into it, and he's like... Um, so attached to what would happen after it, right? And he goes out and he comes back and he says, nothing's really changed. I'm like, is it disappointing? He's like, no, never really changes. They say, you know, what, what happens when you gain enlightenment? You, you get what you always had and what never existed goes away. Hmm. Nothing changes except yeah. for our delusion. Mm-hmm. We're just not deluded anymore. Everything's the same as it always was. It's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, that's rad. So yeah. you have it now. Just stop thinking you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's the delusion. Learn that you that that there is nothing to gain because it's already you've already got it. You already are it. That's it. That's the end. And that goes back to just completely diving into the process of the things that you do, you know? And so you did mention, um, I forgot what you called it, and it would be on the bottom of the hierarchy, which is that time just kind of like sitting on your butt, right? Yeah. So The unimportant and unurgent. The unimportant and unurgent. Do you completely extricate that out of your life, or do you still indulge in those? Oh, you have to. Mm -hmm. You completely have to. Otherwise, if you say, I will never spend time there, all of a sudden, you're being controlled. It controls you just as much as if you spent all your time there. Again, it would be like to say, I will never waste time. That's desiring something. Boom, already I am losing. You know? As opposed to saying, whatever. Yeah, sure, you want to play a video game for a while? Cool. Hey, you want to go roll now? Cool. Hey, I'm going to sit down and read a book. Hey, um, I'm taking a nap. Hey, what, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, do, it's funny how often I come to this. I'm like, man, someone in Nike was really woke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yo, just do it. Just shut up and do it. That's it. That's all. Oh, like, don't talk about it. Be about it. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just do it. That's, I've had that experience in video games because I went through that. I renounced that too. Yes. I was like, oh, this is, you know, I could learn, be learning all these skills and I've wasted all this time. I'm, that and everyone wastes their time once again back back up on that pedestal yeah and in hindsight i realized oh gosh you just so you can be so judgmental sometimes mm. and like with that my son asked me hey can i play video games now he's six now it was right around when he was like four or five right and yeah go ahead i i thought about it i'm like well it did teach me um, fine motor coordination. It was the only reason why I learned big words because I'd play Final Fantasy and sure. all that was like text-based. Yeah. And so I had to read to play the game and I'd always get cliff notes from my book reports. Dude, even <laughs> even bigger is, you know, you, you said playing video games. You know what playing video games taught you? 
that you didn't always want to play video games. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was the lesson. <laughs> the, you got a lesson just from doing it. And then you learned, hey, I don't want to spend all my time doing this because it doesn't make me feel good. And then you say, I'm going to spend no time doing this. And then you realize that sometimes you do want to spend time doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And just to, it's just like, yo, stop judging everything. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. we do. We judge and look for outcomes. In fact, that's what judgment is. An expectation. Right. Mm-hmm. Let go of your expectations. Let go of your judgments. Accept and reject nothing. Accept all outcomes. You know? Mm-hmm. Observe. That's it. Mm. Oh, no. I should have brought a notebook. <laughs> How does that extend over to you, the friends that you choose? You know what? I, I don't choose my friends. Mm-hmm. No, I, I actually don't believe in... Um, choice (laughs) free will Uh, that's a whole other thing but no you know what i like to do is i like to observe the people who end up around me i don't necessarily choose them i feel like they choose me or we choose each other you know so like you know life is constantly changing and imagine this water h2o it has three forms maybe four one of them is ice when it's super cold one is liquid right when it's a certain temperature and then steam you know, and I don't know about fusion or all that. I'm not really, I'm, I'm a bro scientist. <laughs> either way, either way. H2O is H2O, but at different frequencies, they can't hang out together. Ice can't hang out in the same environment as steam, right? They're the same thing, but energetically, vibrationally, they cannot be together. So what I find is that like the fact that you guys are sitting here in my living or in my kitchen right now, and we're doing this podcast means that we are on some sort of energetic frequency at the same time. We are the same type of energy. That's why we're hanging out. Right. You know, it's like um, if someone's not there, they're not meant to be there. And if they're there, they're meant to be there. Mm-hmm. And so I just like to observe who my friends are. And, and like right now, you know, I have the five closest people to me. You know, it's my wife and my sister and probably Phil Schwartz and probably Stefan Strauch and, and you know what I mean? Like, and then now all of a sudden I'm spending a lot of time with Sharif and mm-hmm. at his gym. So yeah. my energy changes and so my environment changes. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really choosing it. It's my energy dictates the energy that chooses me. I am meshing with it. Mm-hmm. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I do see what you mean because, I mean, you get that. Um, I had a, a friend where he would, like, really want friends, right? And he tried really hard. But as a result of that, he would have people who would, like, hang out with him to smoke weed or to, like, go and he'd buy them stuff. Yeah. Right? And he's like, well, why? use them. Yeah. And he's like, why do I have all these, you know, people who are doing this? This is horrible. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I think it starts with your intentions, like what you're trying to do. And you can go, I agree with the clinging thing, Mm -hmm. but as a side note, right, it's also when you're doing these things, there's going to be something else. That, that you're picking up on those wavelengths with, yeah. right? And it's that's where self-evaluation comes and is really helpful when you're around, in my opinion, when you're around people who may not, who might feel like they are um, hurting you, mm-hmm. right? Is looking in at your, your own self, right? And trying to figure out what kind of work that you need to do oh, or could oh. do with yourself. No, no, you're, you're, you're talking my language, man. I mean, like, like okay, I've got a, a, a stepson. And, you know, I, I just recently got married. And so, you know, I'm learning how to be a dad. I'm just jumping straight in. I didn't even get the preparation of, you know, pregnancy and all that stuff. It's just like, boom, you're a dad today. And and so it can be difficult because I don't know what I'm doing, you know. 
But what I find is that every time, what, what, what my stepson does for me is he shows me where I am weak. He doesn't show me where he's weak because it's not his problem when I'm frustrated by him. Mm-hmm. Is he being annoying or do I have lack of patience? I have lack of patience. He's a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so if, if I, am tr- I can't communicate with him, I have communication problems. Not him. He's five. Right. Right? And so yeah. he shows me where I suck. <laughs> he doesn't show me where he sucks because he's just a, a little kid living life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have to take responsibility for my suckage. Right? <laughs> and so that's really what it all comes down to. And the moment you stop blaming things, I could say, I could say, oh my gosh, oh, oh my stepson, he just, he stresses me out. It's like, no, dude, you stress yourself out. Yeah. Stop blaming. Take responsibility. And as soon as you like fully do that in life, everything changes. Everything changes when you stop blaming and you just look at yourself and realize that everyone else that you don't... Look, if you hate me, you only hate yourself. That's it. Everyone else is a mirror. That's all. To see yourself. So if you see someone that you don't like, what is it in you that you don't like? Well, that's actually interesting because that could go back to... Um, having expectations when you're when you're grappling somebody, like instead of looking for that win or that loss, like you're grappling your technique versus their technique, and they're gonna show you where your holes are in your game, and if it gets exploited, then you get tapped out. Boom, brother. Yeah. See? Okay. And that's the metaphor. All right. See, now you start to yeah. see how it just like translates to everything. Yeah. We are nothing but mirrors. Yeah. You know what I mean? It liberates you so much in the sense that when you're around people and you realize that you you have more control over yourself than them, to where if these things do start happening to you, it's easier to de- to detach from like you know if someone um, if someone hurts you or steals from you, I mean it's yeah that sucks, but oh I can take it upon myself to um, assess you know not assess people more often, but to gauge people and allow them to earn my trust, right? There, look, there's never been something bad happen in my life that wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. Not a single thing. I'm talking from every injury I sustained, for every dollar I didn't make, for every person that stole from me, for every car wreck I got into. It's, it's my lack of mindfulness. And not theirs. Or let's say I'm just walking down the street. You, you, you say, oh, everything's your fault. Um, what if you're walking down the street and you just get randomly attacked? Well, was I watching my back well enough? Should I have been there in the first place? I guarantee you there was a measure, a decision I could have made that would have stopped that from happening. <laughs> That's it. It's my fault. Anything. Everything. You remind me of um, Dostoevsky. Hmm. Um, he wrote the Gulag Archipelago. Um, it's basically this like multi-volume tome. Thousands of pages. Essentially, he was in Stalinist Russia, right? Mm. And he uh, advocated for um, the, their version of communism, right? Mm. To where to got to the point to where your neighbors would essentially rat out someone who was, you know, yeah. going against the government and stuff. And yep. he, over time, he um, he was getting to that point to where if someone was a threat to their government, um, he would snitch on them. Yeah. And it was much like um, like Hitler Germany. Or like Nazi Germany, yeah. and where there was concentration camps and such. But this whole book recounts that he is the, f- he, it is his fault for all of it, and mm. because once he would get those pushbacks, right, where there were stop crimes and stuff, he'd mm. be like, oh, 
Yeah. He'd just go along with it. This is for the good, good of the country. This is in the name of the country, right? And even though he knew that it was slightly wrong, and over time, I mean, just like we gradually, it takes gradual amounts of um, effort and time to learn something. It also takes gradual amounts of effort to end up in an extreme place. It wasn't just Nazi Germany. Totally. It wasn't just Stalinist totally. uh, Russia. But most people don't have the desire to want to, you know, like maim each other and imprison each other. Um, he's, but he's in the concentration camp and he just realizes that he is responsible for all the steps leading up to that. Mm. And he recounts his whole experience and how he could have just changed it. Yeah. Right. Not his whole country, just his predicament. No, but here's so... Okay. It kind of reminds me of, of my understanding of Confucianism. Mm -hmm. Okay, Confucianism, like I say, my understanding of it is that if you want to change the world, change yourself. Boom. You want to change the world first. Go home, change yourself. Then change your household. Then change your community. Then change your country. And if every single person went home and worked on themselves guess what? The whole world would change. But I can't go out and be a social justice warrior and impose my beliefs of morals on people. No. That's me trying to change everything else. We can't. You have no control over anything other than yourself, which even then it's debatable whether you do have control over that, being free will and whatnot. Free will being an illusion, I'll say. Um, but, you know, Regardless, uh, imagine, let's just say we have free will and we get to work on ourselves, you know. Uh, that's the only way we're going to ever fix anything. So we got to stop pointing the finger at other people and look inside and say, what's my problem? And just, you know, come from a place of truth and compassion and boom, there it could be heaven on earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. But first you got to make heaven in yourself mm -hmm. and then you got to make your household that same thing. And then, you know, it, it spreads from the inside out and not from the outside in. Right. If you think that you need the world to be perfect before you can be perfect, you'll never be perfect. Right. It's, and I felt that every step of the way of being a father, because like you said before, you know, about, you know, patience, right? Is this child, you know, frustrating or am I just impatient? And if you were in hanging out, like if I'm hanging out with my son and he has these behaviors, um, let's say he's even getting aggressive, right? And he's just having a full violent like tantrum. Well, there's nothing that you can do in the sense that like I can't say stop doing that, and if you don't, I can. You can't manipulate mm -hmm. him to not you know mm -hmm. express that way. Um, however, you can role model the behaviors because it's through your reactions That's right. that like, oh, when he's really angry, he doesn't hit me. Yeah. And it's like, but when I'm really angry, I do. Mm -hmm. And nobody else does around That's me. That's right. And as you do that, it creates those grooves and then those patterns become solidified because like, it's even like a teacher. A teacher doesn't necessarily, they don't force you to show up. They don't force you to, you know, be there. It's not effective teaching. Right. Effective teaching is, you know, being able to connect and be present with mm. someone, right? Totally. So you can deliver it based off of their, like, if you're present, I can see that, oh, you're, you're understanding this or, oh, you're not, as opposed to being disconnected. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's been so helpful as a parent because, I mean, with, like, friends, right? If I were to have a confrontation with a friend, I'd be like, oh, that guy's a fucking asshole. I'm not going to, you know, be around them ever again. And I can go through life every time I'm experiencing that, just disconnecting yeah. and uh, running away from it. But with a child, I mean, you, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it doesn't work like that yeah, at all. Totally. And you even could see like where it gets worse and then figure out ways where it gets better. There's a really good book. Um, 
I, I don't mean it in a negative way, but it's yeah. uh, how to train your dog. Totally. And, yeah. And <laughs> totally, that, dude. That's a wonderful book for uh, well, anyone well, raising kids. No, 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 kids. because they say it's like, uh, you know, I've watched some of the dog whisperer, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and he says that uh, it's got nothing to do when he goes in to like help a troubled dog or whatever. He has to go train the people. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with the dog. And so it's just like, it's all the same. We got to fix ourselves. And then all of a sudden your dog is fixed. <laughs> What's up with that? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's like creating that energy and stuff. Yeah. But, That's yeah. right. And I do want to be respectful of your time, Nathan. So um, do you have uh, anywhere that people can check out any of your classes or anything or anything upcoming? Um, you know, I mean, the, the, basically the best way to follow me or see what I'm up to um be involved in, in my jujitsu or goings on is just, uh, Instagram, honestly, you know, either Nate Orch 10 P that's my own personal handle. And then you can follow the 10th planet Seattle page. And, uh, I, I try to keep it updated on, on what's going on and, and changes and upcoming events and things we're working on and things like that. So, um, Instagram is probably the best way, but you know, I'm not impossible to get a hold of. So, <laughs> and nice. I'll be sure to drop all those links in the show notes Dope. as well for everybody. Sweet. And yeah. Yeah. Be tight. Sweet. Thank you guys. Yep. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you guys would like to check out Nathan's upcoming competitions or class schedule at 10th Planet Seattle, you can find him on Instagram at 10th Planet Seattle and at Nate Orch 10P. I'll also leave those as links in the show notes. And if you guys would like to check out my new company, City Rainco, that I started with my training partner, Alfred Murillo, you can go to cityrainco.com. Man, I love this stuff. I've been using transdermal CBD or CBD lotions and balms for a few years now. It's really been instrumental in wellness and recovery from uh, athletics. And I figured that my friend and I can make something a little bit better with some more subtle scents and effective ingredients. We pulled it off, man. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and you can even go over to the CBD research and check out that study that shows the reduction in inflammation and pain and increase in the uh, range of motion of patients with arthritis. So for 10% off your order, enter BHP at checkout on cityranco.com. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Be sure to rate, review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to it, um, and hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to support the show further, you can pick up a hat or sweater on becominghumanpodcast.com. Until next week, see you later.